This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet her maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Well, we're going to see some of it. And I say that that is great news. I understand why the affidavit, which led to the, quote, justification by the FBI for the raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago, why maybe you can't put the whole thing out because it would hurt the investigation, hurt sources and methods, informants, whatever the like. But because this is so extraordinary, I say you better release some of it. And I am happy that so far this judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who there's a lot of issues with this judge and obviously some possible conflicts of interest. I think he should have recused himself from this case. Uh, He's had conflicts of interest in the past on a Trump Hillary Clinton case where he stepped back and he didn't do it here. But regardless of that. I'm happy to see that he just feels the evidence is so overwhelming and this moment is so overwhelming in history that for that reason, the judge just ordered a few hours ago that by noon tomorrow, the affidavit in a redacted form by the Department of Justice will be released. And the Department of Justice has to essentially put it out by that time. So there's a lot of questions tonight. What are we going to see in the affidavit? Is it going to be substantial or do you think it's going to be like the Mueller report? Remember when we saw all the details on that and that affidavit? It had like, you know, it was like a and if that was it. That was basically seen. I actually think in this case, because there has been so much public attention And because this is unprecedented, this has never happened in American history, where a former president had his home raided. So for all of those reasons, I actually think the way that this judge has been pretty quick to come back and say, you know, some of it needs to come out. Then he kind of backpedaled a little bit. But because he did come out and say that originally, I actually think that we may get a little bit more then like 99.999% redacted in big black lines. I have a feeling we may get a little bit more, and I sure hope we get a little bit more, because guess what? That ain't going to do. When you go into the former president of the United States home with what looks to be a sweeping, sweeping search warrant of so many things going into Melania's closet, going into almost every room there of Mar-a-Lago. And now we know that they took so many things that apparently didn't even belong to them, such as the three passports that were taken from the president and returned. But who knows what else they have? 
they really went in with this like broad swath. So if you're going to go in with 30 agents from the FBI and kick out the Trump attorneys and say, we have a right to go into the president of the United States home. Here's our search warrant and attorneys, you stand back and let us do our job. Well, guess what? We need to see what entailed to make that job happen. And I think that there needs to be a much higher standard than there ever has been for a normal case. Normal cases, you can't really give away the tea leaves. You don't want to tip off, uh, first of all, the accused. You don't want to also make sure that those informants and those people who are cooperating covertly are in harm's way. There's a lot of reasons why typically you don't do it. But guess what? This is not a typical case. This is a time in history where you have... The president of the United States, the former president and likely future candidate for presidency who may announce very soon. And now we find out also that the White House clearly paved the way and jumpstarted this investigation because they waived executive privilege on the documents and let these National Archive documents go over to the FBI to start investigating. So when I hear the White House now saying, oh, they knew nothing, they had nothing to do with it, that is not true. Maybe they didn't know when the raid was going to happen. Maybe they didn't know about certain details. But it's not true to say that they didn't know anything. They clearly paved the way and allowed for the FBI to start this investigation. But I want to see what are the goods. How dare you go into the former president's home? And go in with dozens of agents and say, well, we have a search warrant. And then you see Merrick Garland, the attorney general, like wink, wink, nod, nod, trust us. You know, after the history that this FBI and DOJ have had with the former president, they are clearly like tooth and nail trying to go after him in any shape or form. You know, you see it with January 6th. You see with this. You saw it with the Russia hoax with the FBI. There's a track record here. And the American public, let alone also the former president, are supposed to just kind of take it at face value and say, oh, no, nothing to worry about. It is so blatant that even this judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who, again, I believe has some conflicts of interest and shouldn't be a part of this case. But regardless, he even sees it that there has to be a release. And so we're going to get it, you guys, in a matter of hours. And I sure as heck hope that there's more details, that there's some meat on the bone, and that we find out exactly what it is. And what are some of the serious charges and allegations that you have against this president? What are the crimes that you're, quote, accusing him of? And what are some of the basis? You don't have to say, okay, it's uh, here's the informant's name, but you certainly could say a credible informant or somebody in law enforcement told us blank, blank, and blank, as long as it doesn't point to just solely one person in law enforcement who would know that information. So short of that, put your cards on the table. If you have nothing to hide, the American public, they are scratching their heads tonight and saying, why is this happening? Why is the former president of the United States suddenly having FBI raiding his home? What was the justification? And why was it so this was the only way that they could do it? This was the least intrusive way? You better have some good stuff on that affidavit or the American public is going to go, what are you talking about? Because right now there are so many unanswered questions. And I find it outrageous that they have let this go for weeks upon weeks without Any credible evidence to point to the president of the United States as to why you would go raid his home. That's a huge deal. 
And for them to just act like the American public and people who are supporters of Trump are just supposed to accept it, that is a bunch of hogwash. That is ridiculous. And that is insulting, not just to the president of the United States, but to the American public. There are tens of millions of people who voted for President Trump and who would vote for him again tomorrow. And you can't just suddenly say, oh, trust us when you go in and do a sweeping search of his home. And as it turns out right now, we don't know what they got. We don't know what they have that they're not supposed to have. We did hear from the Trump team that there was some attorney-client privilege documents. And we're supposed to believe that the people at the Department of Justice are earnestly stepping back and looking at it with this taint team, this sort of separate team that's supposed to separate what's in it and what's not in it. We're supposed to trust that that's being done appropriately. So for all these reasons, let's see what you got. You better have something good. Or this will be a total embarrassment for the DOJ and the FBI. And it is also outrageous. Not just the charges, but what's the backup for them, too? And why did you have to suddenly go in right away? You couldn't wait? There was no reason? You you couldn't, you know, you had to, like, suddenly go in and swarm the place? But it wasn't such a rush that you had the judge sign off on it on a Friday. And guess what? You waited till a Monday So there's just a lot of things in this case that do not add up. And I would say that if it was a Democratic president, I would say it if it was anybody. It is outrageous. There's something that doesn't seem right here. And maybe some dots will be connected when we see that affidavit. Or maybe we're going to be even more troubled and more concerned. Because right now, this DOJ is leaking like a sieve all over the place. It's like drip, 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 drip. And, of course, they're dripping what they want to put out there, what's damning against the president. No doubt the affidavit, typically they're damning. It's not like they use them to, like, uh, compliment the person that they're going to go investigate and raid. But let's see how balanced that affidavit is and how credible it is. And I'd also like to know a little bit about what was the background. If you based it on an informant, how trustworthy is that informant? Did that informant deliver? Or did that informant just say, hey, there's all these secret, top secret things here. But guess what? At the end of the day, maybe they didn't get anything. We're eventually going to see the whole thing. I have no doubt about it. I don't think we're going to see for sure the whole thing as early as tomorrow. But maybe weeks, months down the road, maybe years down the road, we're going to see it. But we better right now in the meantime have faith in our judicial process and our FBI and everybody. And right now, there's a lot of people who do not. And that saddens me because there's some great folks at the FBI. And guess what? Right now they're being tainted with a big, broad brush of why did you go into a former president's home? And they're not looking into Hunter. What a surprise. Do you sense disparity? I sure do. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to let's go to Jimmy in New York City, line two. Jimmy, your thoughts. I read it. Well, I don't know if you know it that nothing can happen before the election within ninety days, so it was ninety one days that they did go in there. Um Yeah, isn't that interesting I, the timing, Jimmy? I mean, come on. You know, isn't that interesting? Of course. And hopefully the cover up as well as with everything is gonna get nastier and expose them because the cover up is always bigger than the crime itself and this is a crime. What happened? You believe the raid is a crime? 
Absolutely. They broke all the rules. They, they're making their own rules. I mean, the president's lying that he didn't know about it. I think he has to sign off on it. I mean, for it to happen and then to just blatantly lie to the public. It's just, well, he doesn't it's, have to sign off, Jimmy. He doesn't have to sign off on, like, the no. raid. Okay. But, but what he did have to sign off on, by the way, was for the National Archives, which is the root of this whole thing, which is why it's so ridiculous. It's such a, like, a... You know, it's such a rudimentary discussion between former presidents and National Archives. It happens all the time. But this president actually waived executive privilege. What meant was that the National Archives could suddenly hand over documents to the FBI and say, hey, take a look at this. Do you see anything criminal with why Trump may have had this document, this document? Most presidents would never waive executive privilege for a predecessor. Because it's the sitting president who has that right. It's a little complicated legally. But the reason it's important is the White House has said they didn't know anything about, like, anything with the investigation, raid, anything. And clearly they knew there was an investigation because the National Archives doesn't say, hey, would you waive executive privilege for no reason? That's the reason it, it shows that clearly the White House was involved and played a role and, and actually jump-started it, expedited it by doing that. So that, sure. to me, it, it, it shows that the White House has not been forthcoming with their role. No. So, so and also, it also, and Jimmy, it shows also, the politics. It shows the politics, big-time politics here. All it reeks of dirty politics. Did you know where Obama keeps his 33 million documents in the dusty old unsecure warehouse in Chicago? Yeah, and, yeah, and why are they not going after that? And and by the way, you know, there's stories of uh, during Bill Clinton's time. Let's go back to that where he lost the nuclear oh, football. He lost the nu- physically oh, yeah. lost the nuclear football that had like the codes and the and whole to do. If that's not a security, why didn't they arrest him? Why didn't he get arrested? Yeah, it was a Sandy Berger, the name who was, you know, whoa, stuffing things down his pants and nothing becomes of all of that. It's it's amazing. It is amazing. You know, the, double standard. the double standard is disgusting. Jimmy, Shame. thank you, Jimmy, very, very much. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, your thoughts about all this? Okay, and Rita, not only uh, was there uh, a, you know, a, a, a setting uh, made, made by Biden by waiving executive privilege, but to show how low they are, the, he, he waived executive privilege in order to um, apply uh, a, a, a mundane application of the law, the Espionage Act has never been uh, used in regards to a president. And that's what they're basically that, – that, that was the uh, uh, impetus for the raid, to, to make a mundane application of the law. And the fact of the matter is that legally speaking, you really can't apply the espionage precluded because at the last minute – the, the president is able to convert all classified into declassified. So what are you going to say? Because he goes out of office, suddenly it's like a Cinderella story where he turns into a pumpkin after midnight or something like that. In other words, he, he's, he's able to, cha- to, to, to transform the documents at the last minute. And then he goes – if he doesn't do it, he goes out of office. So what? He has a liability because his term expired? It makes no sense. But they're trying to mundanely apply the law in order to get all those boxes of documents so they could find something relevant to January 6th, you see. It's a big fishing expedition. And 
The FBI knows, who's ever listening to this from the FBI should know that they're part of a coup d'etat because in the inauguration of Biden, there was nobody there. In contrast to Trump, where there were tens of thousands there, including Madonna, who, who protested, but she was there. Yes, nobody she was, was there, there at that's Biden's true. inauguration. No, you know what? You, you are so right that they are like totally trying to do whatever they can to undermine this president, to try to delegitimize him. Um, and by the way, Larry, also, I just finished a big podcast with Dick Morris, um, who knows President Trump well. He's advised him. He advised also uh, President Clinton. And uh, after the break, I'll play a little clip of it because he talks specifically about how they're trying to do anything they can. And he thinks they're going after a sedition act. And that this, just like you said, was like, let's go, let's do a fishing expedition and see what we can get out of this raid that we could use for January 6th, use an archaic rule that has sort of never been implemented, uh, at least in modern times. 1-800-848-9222, and we'll continue after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We uh, just finished an interview just a few minutes ago with Dick Morris, of course, a longtime friend and also advisor to President Trump. And I asked Dick, why the raid? You know, what's the reason for the raid? And he basically said that the Democrats are trying to do anything they can to stop Trump from running because he's a threat. He's taking away blue-collar voters and others. Take a listen to this powerful exchange. We're going to put up the new edition of Protecting America podcast. It's going to go up tomorrow. you got to listen to this whole podcast. It is mind-blowing. Dick really connects the dots with all these investigations and what the strategy of the Democrats is. He gets in their head. Take a listen. Here it is. The Democrats tried to get evidence of greater malfeasance on Trump's part in the January 6th committee. But it failed. There was nothing adduced, and that's basically because there's nothing there, because it's totally untrue. So the backup plan was the Mar-a-Lago raid. And this is not about the archives, either. Archives have nothing to do with it. Archives will knock some historian will knock himself out in 10 years reading the archives. It was, the archives was the only thing they could get a search warrant for, because they needed probable cause. And they don't have probable cause to search for January 6th documents. So they went in, they got in over the search warrants and archives. And what they're really looking for is January 6th evidence to knock Trump off the ballot. And their argument that the archives were somehow important because of secrets and nuclear codes and all that is belied by the fact that they took a year and a half to go after them. (laughs) And in the meantime, they were gathering dust in Trump's file cabinet. But the problem is that it is that they might well be able to get an indictment against Trump for the crime of sedition, 
meaning plotting to overthrow the government, because they can go to a Washington, D.C. grand jury. And that's, as you know, is crammed with Democrats. And if they have a ham sandwich on trial, it's a Republican, they can indict him. And uh, we may have to face the possibility, which is a big reason I wrote the return, that we may have to vote for Trump while he is under indictment. Isn't that stunning? Here is Dick saying that while Trump is under indictment, and by the way, I further asked him, do you think he may be indicted? And Dick Morris said he very well may be indicted. Isn't that stunning that he thinks that the Democrats will push it as far as it can go and that he also believes that President Trump is, guess what? He sees it for what it is. He's emboldened and he is forging ahead uh, and not being dissuaded, if anything, energized by the fact of his people, his adversaries going after him, according to Dick Morris. Really powerful stuff. You definitely want to take a listen to that whole podcast. Meantime, what are your thoughts Because tomorrow we will see the redacted affidavit the judge has just ruled. What are your thoughts about all of this? Let's go to John in Reno. Go ahead, John, from Reno, Nevada. Beautiful place. Go ahead, John. Hey, Rita. You know, uh, this prosecution, uh, the search of Trump's home is a uh, horrible thing, considering that they didn't do anything to Hunter. Uh, it's, It's crystal clear that Hunter lied on his gun application. Uh, He admitted it in the book he wrote, and there has been absolutely no movement on that. That's a great great point. You know, John, you bring up a really superb point. And by the way, it just came out a little bit ago that Mark Zuckerberg, of course, of Facebook, told a podcaster that uh, that Facebook censored the Hunter Biden laptop story for seven days before the election at the request of the FBI, saying it was disinformation. So the plot thickens. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, by the way, um, in the next hour at 10.05, 11.05 rather, uh, so in just, uh, you know, 35 minutes or so from now, um, we are going to have here on the show Ann Dorn. She is the widow of slain police officer David Dorn, remember, who was killed during the riots of 2020 uh, after the death of George Floyd. And her husband was off duty, uh, former cop, uh, captain, beloved in his community. And he was at a pawn shop when a bunch of thugs came in and mercilessly one of them shot him to death, took his life. Um, Anne is going to be joining us in about half hour here on the show. You don't want to miss it. She blames a lot of the anti-police rhetoric for playing a role in her husband's death. And I can't wait for her to join us here on the show. Uh, Anne Dorn, uh, the widow of heroic 
uh, retired captain from the St. Louis Police Department, David Dorn, who was killed during the 2020 riots. So definitely you want to stay tuned for that. Uh, It's important. I love doing this on the show where we honor and support our men and women in blue. And I want to give a shout out tonight, not, of course, uh, just to David Dorn and, of course, Ann Dorn, um, but also a shout out to officers in Kearney, Nebraska. Two Kearney police officers are being recognized for their life-saving efforts in the line of duty. During yesterday's city council meeting, Officer Jared Gerties and Officer John Alstrom received the police department's life-saving award for their actions back on June 6, 2022. It was on that day that two lives were saved with the help of these two great officers. Officer Gerties responded to a rescue call at a construction site where a person had suffered a traumatic injury to the leg with significant bleeding. He was the first one on the scene. He relied on his recent tactical medic training. He assessed the situation, remained calm, applied a tourniquet to the leg, and immediately stopped the bleeding. The patient was transported to a local hospital and survived thanks to his efforts. Then later that same day, Officer Gerties and Officer Alstrom responded to a rescue call for an unresponsive 75-year-old patient who was not breathing. The two worked together to perform CPR before EMS arrived, and they saved that patient as well. Needless to say, the Kearney Police Department there in Nebraska said that Officer Gerties and Alstrom distinguished themselves by performing exceptional acts in the line of duty with prompt alert action resulting in saving lives. Bravo to both of them and beautiful work. And it's obviously a testament to the great work that all our men and women in blue do uh, each and every single day. Well, we're talking about the fact that it looks like we are hours away from the release of that redacted affidavit, which was used as the basis for that dramatic and stunning raid on Mar-a-Lago on Trump's compound. And this is what Jonathan Turley had to say. I want to play this because, to me, this is really interesting. And I I didn't understand why uh, the Trump team and maybe others didn't use this argument. Granted, the Trump team was not a party, per se, to this case. They kind of let the media do the work. But the media has been getting information because the DOJ and FBI have been leaking like a sieve. There has been so many leaks in this case, and it's clearly coming from DOJ or FBI. Government officials are leaking left and right. And clearly that could have been a basis for saying maybe the whole affidavit should come out. Because how are we trusting, first off, first of all, they've been leaking and dribbing and drabbing stuff that's, of course, negative to Trump. Nothing positive to Trump. So that's why you obviously know it's also coming from that side. And it's material that only they have often, too. So you know it's coming from there. But second of all, You could make the case that you've waived any rights of privacy because you have been breaking the code of ethics and you have been leaking already left and right to MSNBC, to CNN, all over the place. They should use that as justification to release that whole affidavit. Because to me, it's outrageous that we're only going to get a little piece of it. But this is what Jonathan Turley said. He agrees with me on that point. Take a listen. What I think should really have occupied the judge to push back a little is that the government was demanding until recently complete secrecy while the media was reporting all of these leaks from the government, including material no doubt in this affidavit. 
Uh, so I'm hoping that the Justice Department was more forthcoming. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, they're, they're going to redact anything favorable to the president. Um, I wouldn't be expecting anything favorable to the president. That's not how affidavits work. Yeah. Uh, this is a one-sided account to convince a judge to let you vacuum up virtually every document at Mar-a-Lago. So there probably weren't many sections that were complimentary towards the president. And you can bet if there is anything that is complimentary, it's probably not going to be released tomorrow. Somehow that'll be closed off, right? Well, Jonathan Turley, again, great constitutional scholar, said that the DOJ needs to be much more cooperative and needs to be a little honest about what they've been leaking and haven't been leaking and why they really did this raid. There were four occasions for Merrick Garland to take modest steps uh, to assure the public that they were being measured. He didn't take those steps. This is the fifth one. We will see if he went to the department and said, look, we really do need to be more transparent. Uh, we have to recognize that there's a history here. People have doubts about our motivations, so let's be a little more transparent. That's going to be very hard with the culture of the Justice Department, I promise you, uh, to get them to do that. Yeah, it sure will be. And Dana Perino on The Five on Fox News said, don't expect a lot of meat on the bone tomorrow. I think that the redactions will be very, very heavy. And you'll see a document that has a lot of like beep, 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 beep. Then other than that, you might not know a lot tomorrow. But Brian Kilmeade, also there on The Five today, uh, said there may be a little bit more. The fact that it's such a turnaround, quick turnaround shows me that the redactions were probably reasonable. Uh, because 24 hours later, we're about to get it. Instead of, uh, can you go take this back and be serious about it? Shows me they want to get it over with to a degree. Uh, and, uh, and Trump is uh, happy because he seems to be gaining on this. And also, the public deserves to know. This is not a typical case. The president deserves to know. The public deserves to know. And uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro, the often-spirited Judge Jeanine, said this. What you've got is a compelling interest by the public in something that involves an ex-president of the United States, a historical first, uh, and the public's need to know, uh, juxtaposed against the whole concept of law enforcement, not having their, their witnesses or information or the trajectory of the investigation being released. Yeah, and that public right to know, and also the fact it's a former president of the United States, you better have something more than if and the, you know, commas. Like, it better not be just totally blacked out where there is nothing left, or redacted in such a way that it even infers even more guilt than you are trying to lay on this president. What are your thoughts, everybody? one 800 Let's go to George in Oceanside. George, go ahead. I spoke to you last night. I remember you asked us a question last week. I'm always on the road at night, so I listen to you all the time. Oh, that's great. I love that, George. Thank you. Drive carefully, though. (laughs) I am. I am. It's Bluetooth hands-free. Okay, good. And um, you asked us, should we give the whole thing, nothing, or a little bit? And I didn't get through, but I was in the queue. But I didn't get through. I was going to say all or nothing, because if you let them cherry pick it and give us a redacted, this is what we're talking about right now, right? Yep, yep. We're worried about a redacted affidavit. That was going to be my answer, all or nothing, because they're going to take out little parts and then put it together and make it seem like, yes, there was a reason to go in, and it had to be a raid. But it didn't have to be a raid on Obama. 
It had to be a way on Trump. Right. No, you're right. The only reason that they don't want to put the full one out, and you understand this, is that they claim, and typically this is in fairness, this is where I will, you know, in fairness to the DOJ, whenever they're doing any of these investigations, they don't want to say, hey, it's, you know, it's witness if it's somebody who works there or if it was some informant or if it was uh, an FBI agent or something. You don't want to put out his name or her name or or maybe they have some sort of, you know, undercover method that, you know, that people don't know that they use when they do investigations that would hamper not just this investigation, but future investigations. So I sort of understand. I sort of I actually kind of I lean towards what you're saying, George, but I kind of think with the exclusion of what I just said, I think like. 80, 90 percent of it should come out. I think the other like 10, 20 that would uh, blow somebody's cover, you know, who's an undercover informant or something like that or some source source or method or something like that. But anything short of that, I I feel like 80 to 90 percent should come out. Do I think that much is going to come out? No. What what do you think we're going to see tomorrow, though, George? We're going to see about 10 percent. Ah. And and do you think it's going to be all bad, or do you think we're going? Do you think we're going to see the just the like the he she or harm to investigation? That's what was written all over the Mueller like Mueller uh, affidavit when one of them came out. It was like harm to investigation, and then you saw a whole blacked out paragraph. Um, do you think we're going to see that, or do you think there's going to be a little more uh, meat on the bone? But again, to what we're just saying, derogatory, negative to Trump. Anything negative, and that's all they're going to show. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. They have no reason to be accountable because the media won't hold them accountable. So why do they have a reason to give us anything to work with? And, George, isn't that sad? How sad is that? Because there are people in the media, like myself, who want to be fair to everybody, and that includes President Trump. Um, and yet there are, I would say, predominantly people just are towing the party line. It's like, oh, uh, whatever it was on nuclear secrets. Oh, th- let's hang the president. I mean, you know, I mean, my goodness. I mean, they're like the rhetoric, you know, um, you know, who was it? Firing squad. One of the former attorney generals agreed with a tweet where somebody was talking about the Rosenbergs and how they should be. They were victims of a firing squad, you know, at the end of the day for punishment. And one of the former attorney generals who clearly sides with like Obama and Biden said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, come on, George. It's crazy, right? Because now we have no trust. Nobody has this trust anymore. And if this was turned around, by the way, you know, Trump was called a racist because he went after the whole Obama, was he born here or not thing. But who started that rumor? Hillary Clinton started that rumor when she was going against Obama for the nomination to go against John McCain in 2008, I believe. 2012, 2008. Now, do, do you, you're, no, but, by the way, that. I remember that. I remember it. Are you insinuating, George? This is interesting that what Obama's behind a lot of what's going on right now to Trump with the raid and everything else. Well, in 2015, he was president and they were doing the whole Russia collusion thing. Right. He had to know about it. He was president. If he didn't know about it, what was he doing? Yep. And also he gave the green light to remember all the stuff with Michael Flynn and all the other stuff. George, thank you. Really, really interesting call and drive safely, my friend. Make sure that you do. Let's go to Alfred. Line six. Alfred, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just want to say clearly it's a witch hunt, and um, they've got nothing. You know, they've got nothing to run on, so they, they resorted to this witch hunt. And, um, you know, it's just 
it's just another attempt to sully and tarnish Donald Trump and, and to um, put an end to any campaigns that he might, any future um, campaigns or presidency or any any candidacy that he might seek, you know, and, and I just think, you know, it's the fake news, the, the fake administration. And um, clearly, I think this election was stolen and rigged. I don't care what anybody, anyone says. Now, do you think it's going to lead? Let me ask you, Alfred, do you believe it's going to lead to maybe even an indictment? I don't know if you heard the clip that well, I played with um, Dick Morris. Dick Morris says that he thinks that there's a very good chance that the president could be indicted. And he said, you know, people might be voting for an indicted president, an indicted former president, uh, while he is running for office now again. Anything's possible with these Democrats, you know, with this current administration, because they'll stop at nothing to um, to stop Donald Trump. And yeah. he was a great president. And I love, you know, I happen to love him. I, I think. Well, and that's why, by that, the way, know. he brings out the passion, Alfred. I mean, is there anybody else on the Republican side or even Democratic well, side just, that can bring out well, like I'm a crowd? Saying, Look at the rallies, Alfred. They're like the hugest, yeah. you know, I mean, I like Trey Biden does one and they're like uh, three grandmothers sitting, you know, playing bingo while he's speaking. And there's no way they could tell me that he that Biden won fair and square. I don't I refuse to believe it. And the only way, by the way, that he got votes is he stayed in the basement. I mean, yeah. and you got to be a bad candidate when they say, please stay in the basement, please. <laughs> oh, my God. Alfred, thank you very much. Great call. Uh, let's go to Rob in Yonkers. Line two. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, Rita, I love listening to your show. It's great. Thank You're you. Such a nice lady. And I want to tell you, it's really a pleasure to listen to your show, but you're so nice. Rita, I think that's one of the problems. Earlier today on your show, you said, oh, there's still a lot of good people at the FBI. And a few minutes ago, you said, I want to be fair to the Justice Department. These people are partisan, they're motivated, and they're at war with us. They are out to get not just Donald Trump, but anyone who supports them. And we sit here and we say, oh, there's good people at the FBI. What evidence do we have of that? I haven't seen anyone step forward over the last seven years that works at the FBI to say what we're doing is wrong. And these aren't cops, you know, from from Yonkers or Queens or Kearney, Nebraska, like you said earlier. These are Ivy League school educated lawyers. They're all 95 percent Democrats and they're vicious. You know, Rita, you remember when Joe Biden was the chair of the Judiciary Committee and was questioning Clarence Thomas how he behaved. I mean, this is what these people are all about. And we've got to stop turning the other cheek. We've got to stop giving the benefit of the doubt. I keep hearing you talk about this um, um, affidavit tomorrow. Just prepare to be disappointed. They're never going to do the right thing because they're not held accountable. Well, and here's here's where I will contradict one of the things you said there, Rob. Um, because you're right, clearly the people that are working on this investigation, because from what we're hearing, they're the same people that were working on the Russia hoax investigation in Washington. So right away, uh, a lot of the people, at least tied to this, are clearly, uh, you know, have some issues and clearly have had some partisan bias in the past. I mean, that was horrible what they put the country through at the Russia hoax, and we saw the politics there of the whole Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, all that stuff, the, like, let's try to get Trump. I mean, all, like, there was so much stuff in there. Um, so I agree with you on that. Where I, I counter you is that there are right now, as we speak, 
Um, there are 17 at least whistleblowers that are within the FBI or DOJ said to be in a, quote, senior position, some of them, who are speaking to Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, and saying that the FBI purposely downplayed the Hunter investigation in a big way. And that for politics, basically, and that they were saying that's Russian disinformation, that's this, that's that. Um, So I do think there are people that are gutsy at the FBI. If they're still working there at the FBI, and they are a number of them, that's why they have protected their identities. But they've actually been in touch with these whistleblowers. And they filed a complaint actually earlier this week with the inspector general saying this has got to be looked into. This is outrageous. These are credible, seasoned professionals at the FBI who are disgusted with what they're seeing. So, yeah, they're not out there publicly at a rally with their names out there. Maybe some might be soon. But there are some heroes in that group. And I I also say, because I've known people who have been at the FBI, I have not asked them about this raid uh, recently, but... I'm sure their answer to me privately would be that they were disgusted by it. So that's where I come from, Rob, that there are good people there that, you know, it's a huge department. Uh, The FBI is hiring so many people there, but clearly people that are working on this raid. um, And if they are indeed, as we're seeing from reports, the same as the Russia hoax folks, then I agree with you. They're sullied. They have a history of tainting. They have a history of crossing the line. And it appears they have done that yet one more time. But that's different than there are some good folks in the whistleblower and other people that are out there. That's where I come from. Anyway, we're going to come back, everybody. Thanks for the call, Rob. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And I say, release it all. I wish they would with the affidavit, although Rob and I do agree that I don't think we will see a whole heck of a lot of it. I think we might see more than you would ever expect. I think we're going to see a little more than just blacked out lines. If all we see is like a few letters that don't mean anything, then shame on this Department of Justice, because then the American public will be unbelievably disappointed and continue to be outraged. And even what we will see, you got to take it with a grain of salt, because as I mentioned to Rob, the people that are in this division are the same ones who worked on the whole Russia hoax, which blew up in their face and was based on a fake FISA warrant. So they've got a history here, that group of FBI agents, not the whole department, as I've said to Rob, but definitely this group. So let's see what they got. But. I hope to God that they put more than just a few blacked out lines and that we will at least get some answers because you don't go into a president's home. I still will question what's in it. 
But I feel like we need to see a lot more to at least have some satisfaction that there was any sort of justification. Let's see. Let's see what they really have. And I can't wait to see the president's response, too, as well, the former president's response, because you know he'll respond right away. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ. Line six. BJ, your thoughts. Excellent program, Rita. Thanks for having me on. Look, I've been involved in another capacity in these type of legal discovery matters. Uh, I'll say that much. Uh, This goes back and forth. Uh, Don't expect to see anything. If you do see stuff, you might see a little little bit of a a uh, a wink here or whatever but uh, team trump already knows uh what it needs to know they this 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 goes back and forth like a ping pong match i will say this but but you know what uh, i don't think they do know they don't know what's in the affidavit they know the search warrant but they don't know what's in the affidavit because normally the quote target of an affidavit which he is technically quote the target of it obviously um, they usually never know, which is why it's rare that they would release anything on it. Uh, but there's such a huge public right to know here. I, in my opinion, this is my opinion. They've narrowed it down to several possibilities as to who could be the mole and what they think they could have. As far as uh, uh, what portends for uh, President Trump, uh, he will probably be indicted. This will boost his popularity and. Um, this is this is the way it's going to go. We're going to have to hang tight. Red wave in November. Wow, BJ, you got a lot in there, my friend. Thank you very much for the call. And, you know, a lot of people are thinking that it is leading to an indictment. Wow, let's see. We're going to continue with your calls. And also, the widow of slain officer David Dorn, who was killed during the George Floyd riots. She is going to join me at the top of the hour. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the And coming up in about a minute or two here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to have the honor to speak to the widow, Ann Dorn, of fallen police officer David Dorn. You will probably recognize that name because he was the officer, the retired St. Louis police captain, who was at a pawn shop in the height of the riots in the summer of 2020. And he was gunned down in cold blood by a thug. I mean, there's no way to describe it by this Young guy who went in, he was trying to talk to him, tell him to get out. He was trying to protect the property. And this guy killed him and murdered him in cold blood. And in just a moment, we're going to have Ann Dorn, also an officer herself, uh, join us on the show and talk about how she feels the rhetoric, specifically the anti-police rhetoric that's happening across this country, has played an enormous role in the death of her husband, her beautiful heroic husband, and also other officers across this country. And she says Black Lives Matter and so many of these other groups play an enormous, enormous role. I want to take you back because for five months, Black Lives Matter protesters trashed American cities with chants like this. Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! 
And then the rhetoric got even much more heated. Remember, there were the protests where they were shouting pigs in a blanket um, and then threatening destruction and death to anybody who wasn't agreeing with them, of course, after the death of George Floyd and burning and looting and killing people, including David Dorn. Take a listen. Here is uh, Black Lives Matter representative from New York. They think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, that we're going to take to the streets again. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. So there's no way that we're going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people. We have people in city council who can create problems for him. We have people in the streets who can create problems for this administration by shutting it down. And make no mistake about it, I am not threatening anyone. I am just saying that as a natural response to aggressive oppression, people will react. And this week, Ann Dorn, a retired sergeant from the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department and again widow of Captain David Dorn, wrote in an op-ed where she says that this anti-police rhetoric pushed by left-wing activists has really played a role in her husband's death. Uh, his Her husband's death just shook the country. I'll never forget this moment where then uh, President Trump recognized Dave and Dorn. Uh, it was at an event around July 4th, and he talked about what an incredibly courageous human being he was. To fight on the front lines, protecting our cities, many of them facing down violent assaults from very bad people. We are especially moved to be joined by the family of a great man, fallen officer David Dorn, a 38-year veteran of the St. Louis Police Department who was killed last month in the city he devoted his life to defending. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show is Anne Dorn, a retired sergeant from the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department and widow of Captain David Dorn, who was killed June 2020 during the St. Louis riots. Um, Anne, thank you so much for being here on the show. I feel like I know you and I feel like I've gotten to know your husband and the world has gotten to know him through you. So bravo for, first of all, for your incredible courage. Thank you, Rhea. I very much appreciate that. You know, tell us about David, because he always wanted to be a cop. He always wanted to be in law enforcement. Uh, talk about uh, just the love of the profession that clearly you both have. Well, I wasn't slated to be a police officer in, in life. I had other aspirations, but David talked to me into being a police officer. He loved the profession so much. Um, as a kid, he would save his money um, to buy new comic books and to buy uh paraphernalia, you know, like like a Superman cape and things like that, because he thought, you know, superheroes were incredible. And his dad was a reserve officer with the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. And um, when Dave got old enough, he, he joined the police department and he made a lifelong career out of it. it. You know, it was his passion and he loved doing what he did. And, you know, he, he always talked very highly of it and was always trying to recruit people for it. And uh, I was one of his recruits that he recruited. Um, so I changed my life path and became a police officer, and then I ended up falling in love with it. 
And he loved his job. I mean, even when he was, you know, off duty and and everything else, he still uh, was helping and he was doing security. I, I want to take you through to what happened, of course, um, sadly, that terrible night in June 2020. Yeah. Um, we've seen the videotape where and I call them thugs who came in yeah. and confronted the rioters were outside. They come in. Um, it was streamed where, the, sadly, the shooting of your husband, I can't even imagine, went through your mind. Um, but first, he was responding, right, to – it was an alarm and at a store that he was helping protect for a friend, right? Yes. He's known Lee, the owner, for 40-plus for years. Um, Lee's father owned a pawn shop, and Lee's father was killed in his pawn shop, and Dave was one of the first officers who responded. And that's how he met Lee. And Lee carried on the tradition and the family business of the pawn shop, and Lee – and Dave became very good friends. And there was only two people Lee trusted keys with, was his manager and Dave. And Lee either lived out of town a lot of times or he lived so far from the business that he couldn't get there in time. So Dave's like, hey, I'll come check your alarms if they go off. I'm 10 minutes away. And so Dave had no problems going by. Most of the times it was weather-related or a rodent or something that would set it off. Um, and Dave would just go up there. He'd drive around the business, make sure it's secure. There was only a very – Two, maybe three incidents where something had happened, where somebody tried to break in. Um, so it wasn't a big deal for him. And, you know, when the call came in that night, I was sleeping. In the past years that we've been together, if an alarm went off, he woke me up to just say, hey, I'm just enough to let me know he was leaving. And I would stay awake enough to hear him come back home. Once I heard him come in the house, I'd go, you know, back to sleep. But um, this night, he didn't wake me. And apparently the alarm had gone off once and they dispatched the police and didn't call him. And the second time when they actually got into the business, Dave was called. And um, that's when he, he responded and he confronted several of the, the, as you say, thugs or looters out front and was speaking to him. Hey, you don't want to do this. Um, there's nothing of value in the business. There's, you know, everything, anything of value is locked in a vault. You're not going to get anything left out is cheap silver chains or, um, or a used TV. There's nothing of value in there that you're going to get. And he was just trying to talk to him and say, hey, you don't need to be doing this. If they would have said, hey, I got a hungry kid at home or I need pampers, he would have gave them money to go buy them. He was always giving money to people if they, if they needed it. You know, his, his saying was always, hey, what if that was me on the other side? I'd want somebody to give me money if they needed, if I needed help. Um, so he was talking to him, and this individual, Stephen Cannon, was inside the business and came out and confronted Dave and had some very ex expletive words for David, walked about 10 paces from him, turned around, kneeled down, and fired at Dave 10 times. Um, Dave didn't believe he didn't have a chance to defend himself. He was struck four times and uh, fell to the sidewalk where he eventually bled out on the sidewalk. Wow. You know, we've seen the images, sadly, of this, and, and it epitomized just the lawlessness of the riots. And here was your beautiful husband, uh, you know, retired captain. There he was, uh, but always uh, always a man and woman in blue, once a man and woman in blue, as you know, yeah. and he was so loyal to it. Um, when you found out the news, I just can't imagine how devastated uh, you must have been, and how angry, too. The anger came later. Um, the devastation and shock was right away. Uh, when they were knocking on the door, when the chief showed up at my house, the chief of police, Dave was a mentor to our chief at that time. Uh, chief Hayden came up under Dave, and so he knew Dave very well. And he was in tears at my door. 
But when I answered the door, I thought Dave was home. I didn't know he had left. So I was asking the chief where Dave was. And um, all he could get out was Dave was dead. He couldn't really say much more. It took a little while of both of us crying for him to get out what, what had happened and where Dave was. You know, and I was, I believe I was in shock for, for, a, for a great while. I was in shock. And it, it was hard. It was hard to, to swallow the news. And then it was even harder to try and call family and the kids and let them know what had happened. You know, I think about the guts of your husband going there, knowing because the city was consumed at that point. Uh, you know, lots mm-hmm. of violence, lots of chaos, riots around the country, all over the place. Um, what a courageous man your husband um, was. And I feel his spirit. Is, I know he's watching over you because you have become so articulate about the importance of protecting and supporting our officers um, and also um rightfully so, expressing the frustration with the anti-police rhetoric. How much do you think that that has played a role? You just wrote a very eloquent op-ed, Andorn, and you talked about the role of Black Lives Matter and some of these, you know, far-left activists that have just been spewing hatred toward police and what it creates. Yes. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter was started on the premise of actually helping Black lives in their communities. And, you know, the thought of it and the concept of it was, was a great idea. There's a lot of communities that need help, but truly they were taking money and it was just a total fraud. Um, and I believe a lot of these larger corporations either just bought into it or were bullied into it, but they, they blindly gave money to them, you know, millions and millions of dollars into this, this Black Lives Matter rhetoric and um, concerned communities of America reached out to me and asked if I would speak out against it because, you know, it was a Black Lives Matter protest where my husband was killed and it was organized by them. And, you know, obviously Black Lives, not all Black Lives Matter unless it fits their agenda. So, you know, I'm calling out these woke corporations right now that are funding and still blindly funding. A lot of them are Black Lives Matter with no money or help coming back into Black communities or Black families. And it's, it's a very sad thing that they're living high on the hog when people are actually suffering out here in these communities. And your husband, of course, uh, African-American, too, as you point out, you know, and and yet where was the outrage? Just like you said, here he was, uh, innocent victim of, you know, this killer, this cold-blooded killer. Thank goodness they got the guy. I'm glad that he's been charged. But so many people in other cases never get caught. Um, What's your message to people like George Soros, Kamala Harris and others? I'm not sure. I'm calling them out because they are supporting Black Lives Matter. They're supporting these protests. You know, Kamala Harris has told them to continue rioting. Maxine Waters told them to continue to riot and stand up. You know, those people should be charged. That's inciting a riot. I've been a police officer for 20 years. You tell people to riot and they riot, that's inciting a riot. You're just as responsible as they are, whether you're there or not. And to blindly fund this and give money so people will riot, you know, you're you're funding their their this chaos and you're funding all this and people are dying and losing their lives they should be held responsible for it they're just as they're just as responsible as people who pull triggers and destroy businesses and they should have to answer to someone what's your message to people about the importance of supporting our law enforcement too and how important it is uh, for officers to know that the community has their back yeah the silent majority needs to, to not be so silent anymore if if they support their communities. They need to stand up and they lean to let officers know. Even a simple thank you to an officer can make their day and, and can encourage them to remain in law enforcement. We're bleeding law enforcement like an arterial bleed out there. And, you know, it's becoming more and more dangerous for the officers and the citizens alike. 
services are not there and some calls are not being answered because the police are just being discouraged of, of doing their job or people who want to be police officers will not become police officers because of what's happening out there. And that is a real travesty because it is such a pivotal profession. And, you know, I told you um, that whenever I see a law enforcement officer, I say, thank you so much for all you do. And I, I even feel like that's not enough. I try to buy them coffee if I can. I try to yeah. do whatever I can to say we love you and we support you because America needs more great men and women in the profession to join the force and not be scared to join the force. Yes, they do. And I started a foundation in Dave's honor, and I try and help these underfunded agencies and these officers with buying equipment just so they don't have to come out of pocket to spend their own money, you know, take food off their tables and throw away from their families so they can actually do their job and be a little safer out there. So what's the, what's the website for that? I want to make sure I share it with everybody listening right now because we love you and support you, Ann Dorn. That's, that is www.captaincapt, the abbreviation for it, daviddornfoundation.com. Beautiful. Captain David, Captain C-A-P-T, Captain David Dorn Foundation.com. Ann Dorn, um, I admire your courage and thank you so much for being here on the show. We love and appreciate our men and women in blue and appreciate you and think of you and your husband always. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rita. It's been my pleasure. Wow, so powerful to talk to Ann Dorn. Again, also a retired uh, officer, too, as well. And to think about what she has gone through since her husband was brutally killed. As you just heard, 10 shots fired at her husband. And she very much believes that the anti-police rhetoric uh, against just officers across this country has absolutely played a role in her husband's death. She believes like Black Lives Matter and also these groups that are funding Black Lives Matter and individuals who are funding Black Lives Matter, that they're all part of this cycle. And people need to start respecting police. Uh, I say bravo to her because I agree with her. I think the sort of lack of respect to police and the marching and the screaming and the chanting and all that uh, opened the door to where people felt that it was a free-for-all on officers across this country. And that is out outrageous and here's her beautiful husband goes just to answer an alarm and they just totally had no respect for somebody who was acting as a security guard had no respect for authority had no respect he was nice talking to them telling him to just go away but no the guy had to come back and kill him and it's that sentiment of not respecting police that is outrageous and i think needs to stop And who more powerful to talk about it than Ann Dorn? We're going to take your calls when we come back. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We were just talking to Ann Dorn, the widow of David Dorn, who is, of course, that off-duty police captain who had more than 30 years in the service, slain when he was protecting a pawn shop when an alarm went off and it was his friend's shop, was there just protecting it, and he was there in the middle of the riots in the summer of 2020. So whenever you hear people say, oh, there was no violence in the summer of 2020, Remember David Dorn 
and remember how important it is to respect our men and women in blue who are working to protect all of us. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Howard uh, on line seven. Howard, your thoughts about this? It it breaks my heart to hear Ann Dorn and what she went through. Rita, thank you very much for supporting the police. Um, when when David Dorn was was killed, uh, the heart of every decent living American was broken. And I always say that an ounce of truth is is more powerful than a hundred pound of lies. But if somebody puts their finger on the scale, everything can change. One thousand percent. And I remember that moment when we saw the footage. Remember that surveillance footage uh, from the store. That shows, sadly, him being killed. Here's the guy just that shows that he wasn't doing anything. He was trying to help the guy, and the guy turns around, leaves the thug, um, and then comes back and just cold-bloodedly kills him. And you're right. I think um, I think uh, there was a heart, uh, you know, just a uh, just a, a cut in all of our hearts because he was just such a beautiful man. I mean, you just hear the stories of how courageous and loving this guy was, and you see that he's even talking to these kids who are breaking into the place, trying to, like, you know, give logic to them and tell them to just kind of calm down, things will be okay, just leave. And that wasn't good enough for these thugs. You know, it's just, it's a heartbreak, and it's a reminder of how much we have to love and appreciate our officers. Howard, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are... That we, you know, I have somebody in my building who's who's a police a police officer, and he said he had never been so scared in New York than when we had the riots. What he had to go through that night when they had on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, you're right. Scary, scary. I mean, was he worried for his own safety, Howard? Certainly, he's a great person, and he deserves our support. He doesn't. He wants to get out of the police, but uh, you know, unfortunately, we need more people like him thousand percent we need uh we have the best of the best in the law enforcement right now and we need more people to be inspired to it and not driven away you know and and leaving the force thank goodness uh, your friend is there and thank good he's safe thank goodness for that howard thank you uh let's go to valeria in florida valeria your thoughts hi thank you for speaking to miss dorn i i heard her interview the other day i think it was with um snurdly yep and she went in depth about how she she knows that Soros is behind a lot of this anti-police rhetoric, which is very wrong. Listen, I'm not going to mince words. Obama started all of this when he when he denigrated the Cambridge police, when he got involved with the Trayvon Martin shooting, when he had filthy rappers like that man Common and other anti-police artists at the White House. And Valeria, do me a favor. Stay with us. We'll have more with you after the break. Stay with us. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, sorry, we're having a little bit of technical stuff, but we're back here because we want to make sure that we shine a light on our military men and women. And a beautiful story coming out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, South Milwaukee, which is home to one of Milwaukee's esteemed Medal of Honor recipients, Gary Wetzel, and his fellow Medal of Honor recipients who were recently honored by the War Memorial Center through their creation 
of a new Wisconsin Medal of Honor exhibit. Wetzel, a U.S. Army veteran who served in the Vietnam War, achieved the rank of specialist first class as part of the 173rd Assault Helicopter Company. Now, Wetzel served as a helicopter gunner as part of an insertion force trapped in a landing zone by enemy fire on January 8th, 1968. And wait till you hear the background of this guy. Wetzel was going to the aid of his aircraft commander when he was blown into a rice paddy and critically wounded by two enemy rockets that just exploded a few inches from his location. Wetzel suffered significant injury in his left arm, which had to be amputated along with wounds to his right arm, chest, and his left leg from the explosion. Now, despite these severe injuries and profuse bleeding, he returned to his original position in the gun well, and he continued firing. Think about the guts of this man. His machine gun was the only weapon placing effective fire on the enemy at that time. And he eliminated the automatic weapons emplacement that had been inflicting heavy casualties on the American troops, preventing them from moving against his strong enemy force. Uh, Stunning to hear about the bravery of this incredible man. And by the way, uh, he also uh, received a fully remodeled home through the Gary Sinise Foundation. Bravo to him. And, of course, to all of our incredible Vietnam veterans, and we love you all, and I just want to say, welcome home. It's really an honor to be able to shine a light on your great service to our country. And by the way, speaking of great service, I want to let all of you know that I am proudly supporting the Tunnel to Towers 5K Walk Run New York City again this year, which is on Sunday, September 25th, and I need your help. So help us remember those lost on 9-11 as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps, and we're going to do it together. It's simple to support my team this year in the Tunnels to Tower 5K Walk Run. All the proceeds go to Tunnels to Towers. Here's what you do. You go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Again, that's walk dot rita cosby online.com and donate to my team i am trying to raise the most money here on the red apple audio network so thank you so much for your support and together we support america's heroes with one of the largest 5k walk runs in new york city and really around the country around the world so go to walk dot rita cosby online.com and donate today to this great organization, Tunnels to Towers Foundation. Well, we were just talking to the widow of Ann Dorn, Ann Dorn, the widow of David Dorn, who was the police officer from St. Louis, who was just killed in cold blood during the 2020 riots, which was just abominable. Remember, there were 500 riots across the country, and here he was responding to an alarm at a pawn shop in St. Louis. He was protecting it for his friend. And guess what happens? You know, he walks in and sees these guys trying to rob the place, asks them to leave, and they open fire, one of them. Thank goodness they got the guy because it was on videotape. 
But when you think about the guts of people like Ann Dorn, and Ann Dorn just put out an op-ed just a few days ago, and you heard her here on the Rita Cosby Show just a few minutes ago, saying that this anti-police rhetoric has to stop in this country, that it is creating the environment that killed her husband and other officers across the country. Because these thugs, and that's the nicest thing I can say about them, these thugs feel emboldened that they can do anything and get away with it with the revolving door of justice with these soft on crime DAs too. So it's all sides of the spectrum. They feel emboldened to do it. We've seen these attacks on officers like David Dorn, and then they feel emboldened like they're going to be back out on the streets soon. And either is a disaster for our country. 1-800-848-9222. Valeria from Florida. I had to cut you off because we had a hard break there. Go ahead, Valeria. I want to have you continue. Yes, I, I, the question that you asked me, I blame Obama. I, he spawned the anti-police sentiment in this country. He got involved in the Cambridge police matter. He got involved in Trayvon Martin. He got involved in Michael Brown. He had a man named Common at the White House. Common, is no, he's a rapper. He's known for vulgar anti-police lyrics in his music. He had artists that had very um, vulgar depictions of the police. And then fast forward to 2016 in July, he made a speech in Poland a few months before President Trump won the election. He cited junk statistics about, you know, how the police in America are, you know, racist against blacks. He is an anti-cop police. Oh, but the only time he's not anti-police is when the police are protecting him and his family. You know, you bring up a great point. Yes. The double security. Now, two things. First off, I remember that moment, uh, Valeria, where um, Obama um, tried to it was like, remember, it was a reporter asked a question about the Cambridge police and it had to do with his friend Henry Louis Gates. Um, and it was an incident with the Cambridge police. And right away, he's like, oh, you know, I tr- I believe Henry Louis Gates. Like he threw the police under the bus before he even knew any details. Um, so you're right. That sentiment right away sent a message that, you know, that the police are sort of second fiddle. And that that to me, I thought was abominable. I remember that moment. And then, you know, as you also talk about just all of these issues, you know, it's not just Obama. I mean, it's all these members of the squad, too, uh, that are coming out. And I want to play a little bit right here. This is, um, in fact, this is Cori Bush, um, of course, uh, Representative Congresswoman Cori Bush, member of the squad. And then right after that, this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Listen to the way they speak about funding or lack thereof for police. I have had attempts on my life, and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up, and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. The New York City Police Department has a $6 billion a year budget. That is more than we spend on youth, housing, health care, and homelessness combined in New York City. And so the problem is not a lack of resources here. You know, it's interesting, Blariot. 
uh, you hit it on the head because there was Cori Bush defending why she spends so much money on officers because she's special. And yet she still is calling for defunding the police to everybody else. The hypocrisy is ripe. Don't you think, Valeria? Yes, these these women, these protégés, they're all protégés of Barack Obama. They sound like thugs. They act like thugs. They don't they don't understand they don't understand how laws work. They only understand what's going on in their little microcosm. But I'm telling you right now, that his exact words which which was the shot that was heard around the world, the Cambridge police acted stupidly and his racist ways and his anti-police ways came out in little bits and pieces all during the administration. And, you know, the other thing, how about the Michael Brown? I'm thinking of the Michael Brown, all that stuff. And it turned out a lot of the story was not accurate, you know, that came out. Um, Bravo, Valeria. Listen to the Poland speech. Yep. I, I remember that, by the way. I remember that. Valeria, thank you very much. You're really awesome. And I always love your calls. Thank you, Valeria. Uh, let's go to Junior um, in Staten Island, New York. Go ahead, Junior, your thoughts. Hi, uh, Rita. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm having some health problems, and I had to plug my telephone in. Can you hear me okay? We hear you great. Go ahead, Junior. What do you think about this anti-police rhetoric? It's horrible. It's definitely um, outrageous, and um, I, I can't help but disagree with the lady that was just on previously. I blame the whole law and order thing on uh, Donald Trump supporters. Why? Why do you why do you blame it on them? They are much more, uh, you know, pro police in so many ways. I'm I'm confused. Why do you blame it on them? Well, I can't help but see on television every time they gather in a group. Um, they always have to have their assault rifle on their side. And I'm part of the 71% NBC poll. I believe we need stricter gun laws. Well, and but, two, um, well, two things. Hang on a second, Junior. First off, uh, not all Trump supporters are walking around with a gun strapped over their shoulders. So that's, you know, most citizens are not walking around with guns strapped over their shoulders in general, no matter what political aisle they're on. That's one. And two... In terms of the whole rhetoric about police, um, the whole defund the police movement definitely didn't come back from the Trump supporters. You know, I mean, it's this, you you know, I I promise you the people who were punching the police on the head during the summer of 2020, we're talking about those 500 riots, which is what we're focused on because we're talking about the case where David Doran sadly lost his life. That's when all those protests happened. And I promise you, they weren't Trump supporters that were beating, you know, David Dorn or, or, or other officers across the country. They, they absolutely were not. Um, you know, there's different circumstances, different times or whatever. But I can tell you, uh, you know, if you look at the Black Lives Matter, I don't think Black Lives Matter supporters are Trump supporters. Do you? Um, absolutely not. But um, I know I have 15 conservative radio talk shows um, entered into my CC radio here, and there's still all of them are talking about BLM. And I know if I was a man of color, I'd probably be scared to death right now because I feel that all these Republican talk shows are racist. And um, 
Well, and I disagree. I let me let me just ask you, people who support law and order and want bad people behind bars, I don't look at it as a black-white issue. I look at it as good people versus, you know, criminals. And I think no matter what color of their skin the criminals are, uh, they should be behind bars. I mean, you got you should be treating everybody equal. That's that's my philosophy. What what do you think, Junior? Well, in that case, Rita, and I hope you don't hate me, but I believe that Donald Trump should be behind bars. Well, you clear. Well, you clearly do because you clearly don't, you know, like him or his supporters. Uh, now, I'm just going to ask you real quick. Why do you think that? What What makes you think? I mean, what's you think that Hunter Biden should be skipping through the tulips? Uh, I'm not familiar with that case. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? You know why you're not familiar with that case? Because social media buried that case. And there are a lot of people, a lot of Democrats who said had they known more about Hunter Biden, maybe they might not have voted for Joe Biden. So you kind of you kind of uh, case in point exemplified why people need to know at least about everything and, and put the facts out there wherever the facts lie. Junior, thank you very much. I appreciate your call. I tell everybody, Junior, I like to hear from all sides, whether I agree with people or not. I appreciate the call, and you're welcome to call back anytime. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, your thoughts. Poor cop that died trying to save his friend's store. He was a victim, not just of the guy who pulled the trigger. He was a victim of Democrat party, uh, party policy and Marxist revolutionaries. That's what the whole anti for Black Lives Matter is. But Jimmy, Democrat- I, Jimmy, I, Jimmy, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You just heard Julian, who thinks that everybody who's a Trump supporter is a gun toter and and that he should be that you know he should be behind bars. But he had no clue about Hunter Biden. Wasn't that interesting? He, look, he, I, you know what? I can't prove it, but I've been around people like that for decades. He sounds to me like your typical Marxist. They swallow everything that's constantly spewing that stuff out. Blacks are threatened, but it's usually by other blacks. This is not a black-white issue. That's a Marxist concept. It's good versus evil. You know, i got to tell you, so you have to hear this. There was a CIA defector years ago named Philip Agee. He defected to the communists. He revealed people he said were CIA agents. Two of those people he said were CIA agents were murdered. And our government was pushing a law to make it illegal to reveal the names of CIA agents. Senator Schumer voted against that law. So Senator Schumer on that law shows you he does not support U.S. security. And also, Joe Biden three times voted against aid to the Contras in Nicaragua, who are trying to keep the Cuban and Russian and the communists from taking over Nicaragua. So between – and meanwhile, the group that worked with that defector is the father of Congressman Raskin. But but okay, all right, I, so so I know you t- I know who Raskin is obviously Jamie Raskin as we saw Marcus with the Raskin January sixth yeah Marcus Raskin was the father he was the founder and one of the leaders of the tax exempt KGB front group Institute for Policy Studies you so but what, what's your but what's your message to say Julian I, who called Julian thinks the bad government. guys are the Trumpers. Well, that's because the Trumpers are the bad guys who are trying to stop the communist movement. This is why Russia and China wanted Trump out of office. The drug cartels, all America's enemies want Trump out of office. Now, among those people is the enemy, but there's also useful idiots. Uh, Either way, they want Trump out. He's in the way of the drug cartels. He's in the way of Russia, China, the terrorists. 
It's, it's very easy to see. I've well, been among and, these and, people for decades. And Jimmy, training manuals. and Jimmy, you know, it's really interesting, too, is um, and we're going to I'll play more tomorrow night of this podcast that I did with Dick Morris, because Dick Morris feels that the Democrats are so threatened by Trump uh, that any which way but loose, they're going to try to do something to him. Um, let's go to LQ real quick. LQ, um, I know you want to talk about uh, the police rhetoric, the anti-police rhetoric. Uh, yes. Um, God bless you for, you know, for having um, uh, Sergeant uh, Dawn and, of course, being a widow and, and uh, sympathizing with her. Uh, my point is that um, some uh, maybe um, some members of family or familiar with her family were speaking out that she, what she's doing is for political purposes with, with Trump uh, and uh, um um, her deceased husband wasn't a Trump supporter, and I hope it wasn't her daughters, or you know, but it may have been. I'm not sure, but to me, it's dishonoring her uh, and uh, dishonoring um, uh, her, the father and all the you know the patriots because he's speaking out to bring that to attention. Well, and you know why it's so important, too, that she is speaking out, because that's critical. I I have such respect for her. Let's go to Stan from Forest Hills real quick. Stan, your thoughts. That lady is courageous and has guts. And it's tragic, terribly. I hope those guys rot if they get them. Did they get them yet? Yeah, they did. They got a guy. Steve, you're talking about, hang on a second, Dan. Hang on, Stan. You're talking about Ann Dorn, right? right. Here's the other side of the coin. The other side. President Obama was right. Because two cops, I think it was in California, or a racist son of a bitches, shot a guy, man of color, and on on the web said tweets, racial epaulets about him and about killing other people. Did you hear that story, or did you ignore it, Rita? Actually, Stan, hold on one second, because you're ignoring the facts here, because Valeria was specifically speaking about the Cambridge, which is in Massachusetts, in case you need to look at a map. Um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. That is the case with these officers who came out, and it was Henry Louis Gates um, who came out and was kind of wandering around the neighborhood, and the cops thought, that he was trespassing. He was an African-American guy. I think he was, you know, like in his pajamas or something. It was two or three in the morning. And he didn't want to say to them, I think there was some, I can't remember the details, but they thought that he was trespassing. He was like, no, I live here, but didn't really want to make it clear that he lived there because he was insulted that they didn't, they thought he was trespassing. Um, But there was some honest confusion. It sounded like it was the middle of the night or whatever. And so whatever the case was, right away, Obama took, his side, and didn't even know any of the facts. That's what she is talking about, how he jumped to conclusions and that that created the environment. That's that's what she's talking about, Stan. Anyway, we're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about this anti-police rhetoric that's happening in America. Just talking to Ann Dorn, who is the widow of David Dorn, who was slain during the 2020 riots. Uh, the summer of love, remember? Uh, let's go to David in Pennsylvania. David, your thoughts. 
thanks for taking my call. You know, I think, you know, Camilla Harris, I mean, got a big pass or great pass by the leftist news media in her comments that talking, I remember she was talking to Steve Colbert talking about the protest as a movement, like it's a legitimate cause. Yes, and she and said, yeah, actually, keep going, keep going. And she was bailing out, you know, the rioters, too. She was telling people to donate to the, quote, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, how how is that not you know, emphasized or brought up? I mean, you know, I, I think of the media, I think they're the greatest leftist enablers, because how could something so glaringly uh, grotesque and violent, I guess, it's inna- violent, uh, you know, uh, enabling or, or, or uh, um, you know, inspiring can get away with something like that, and someone especially in her position. I agree. You know? I agree. I agree. It's terrible, and she should know better, and I go- agree. All of that, I think, fuels the fire. Dave, thank you very much. Let's go to Sandra uh, from New York. Sandra, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Good evening. Actually, I'm from New Jersey, Rita, but I met you in New York. Um, All right, great, great. You met me at the Kelly Ann Conway book party this week with my old friend Kelly Ann. How great to talk with you. And Sandra, we just have a few seconds. I wanted to make sure I got you on. Uh, Thank you. I wanted to say it was really touching how you spoke to um, Ann Dawn tonight. And I was going to say that we need Donald Trump back. Then I hear this other man saying Donald needs to go to jail. I, I was very uncomfortable. But I, I, Donald loves our men in blue. And Donald Trump would never defund the police. I agree 1,000%. He is such a huge supporter. We're going to talk about the affidavit.